Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, everybody. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. We have an additional podcast uh, that's going in the feed because, unfortunately and sadly, Don Shula, one of the greatest coaches in NFL history, uh, died at the age of 90 on Monday. Joining me to talk about it, uh, Pete Prisco, longtime NFL writer, good friend of the show, obviously, who, uh, who covered Shula. Uh, during his run and, uh, Jamie Eisenberg, a, uh, also a friend of the show who, uh, grew up as a Dolphins fan and grew up rooting for those Dolphins teams. Pete and Jamie, how are you doing guys? Good. Bad day, sad day for the NFL though. Sad day for the NFL, sad day for South Florida. Um, but, uh, otherwise doing well. How about you, Will? Uh, uh, exactly. Uh, same sentiments. Jamie, I would, uh, I'll go to you first just because, I mean, I think, you know, I mean, both of you guys are from, you know, both of you guys are, are South Florida guys. Like, I mean, you've you spent most of your lives there, but I think Jamie, I mean, growing up in South Florida, Don Shula is, is an, like, is bigger than even his reputation, right? I mean, he's an establishment of South Florida, uh, during his run with the Dolphins. And post. I mean, you know, there, there's, uh, I think a pretty clear, you know, a lot of people like to do Mount, Mount Rushmore's of cities or sports or whatever. And I think when you look at the Mount Rushmore of, Miami, South Florida, wherever you want to draw the line. Uh, if he's not first, you're, you're making the wrong call. And that's saying something when the guy that he coached, Dan Marino, is obviously in the conversation for one of the best quarterbacks of all time. You have a legend in Pat Riley for the NBA and one of the, uh, I think one of the best, certainly two guards, one of the better basketball players of all time as well in Dwayne Wade. So, uh, but, but, you know, Shula was first, you know, he put Miami sports on the map. Um, when he came to the Dolphins after being traded from uh, the Baltimore Colts. Um, and, and you could argue that he's, you know, uh, part of South Florida history even before he was a member of the Dolphins. He's on the losing end of Joe Namath's, mm. you know, uh, Super Bowl victory for the Jets in Super Bowl three. So, um, he's, he's sort of signifies what, uh, you know, the, the Dolphins were before this last iteration of what this team has become, which everybody looks at them as, as losers, uh, from the seventies, eighties and nineties, you know, they were one of the best teams annually in the NFL, uh, without winning a Super Bowl over a long stretch of time. That just tells you how good they were. And a lot of that is because of him. Yeah. Pete, uh, this is, we're talking about a guy, four time AP NFL coach of the year, actually won sportsman of the year in 1993, uh, on the, 100th anniversary all-time team, the 70s all-decade team, won the Super Bowl twice, uh, NFL champion in 1968, as, as Jamie referenced, uh, and one of the legendary figures in NFL history, right? I moved to South Florida in 1972, right, or right after the – or 73, right after the um, perfect season. And I hated the Dolphins because everybody in South Florida loved them. And Shula was always that iconic figure – um, you looked at him with the jutting jaw and you sat there and, and I was a football junkie from the time I was five. So I, I knew about him and I actually remember the Super Bowl three, to be honest with you. But when he was that guy, that presence, it was, you were like, oh my God, that's Don Shula. And you grow up watching him and I'm sure Jamie's the same way. And then you end up in the room with him. And I remember, and I don't know if Jamie, by the time you were covering them, it was this way, but you, they had practice at training camp at St. Thomas University in Miami. And Shula would answer the media's questions at lunchtime. And he would sit at the end of a table and they bring him his lunch and he'd sit there. And I remember being like in one of my first interviews with him and I'm thinking, oh my God, this is Don Shula sitting at the end of the table. 
you know, now I'd be like, hey, Don, why did you run that stupid play on fourth down? But when I was first starting out, or third down, when I was first starting out, I'm like, oh, my God, that's Don Shula. I watched him as a kid, and he was intimidating. And I can talk to all his players back in those days. He intimidated the hell out of them, too. That's what he was, and he used to beat the daylights out of them. They would go to practice and, you know, they'd have that, what was it, the, the, the mile run, was it the six mile? Well, he had some kind of run that he run. They hated it. And they hated going back to practice. And I can remember guys like, here's one, Bruce Hardy. There's a name from the past. I remember yep. Bruce Hardy was a college All-American, I mean, high school All-American quarterback, went to Arizona State. He ended up being a tight end for the Dolphins. And I remember going, you used to be able to go into their dorm room and talk to the players. And I go walking over to Bruce Hardy to talk to him about Shula, and he's standing there smoking his cigarette in front of the dorm room. <laughs> and I'm like, what does Shula allow this? And it was just at such a different time, and Shula was so rigid and yet, you know, not as rigid as you would think in some situations. But intimidating presence is who Don Shula was. I'll tell you, you know, something similar. I actually never covered him, Pete. When I was covering the Dolphins, uh, it was Jimmy Johnson as the head coach. Um but the first time I was ever around him in a media setting was Marino's retirement. And, you know, you talk about uh, a circus of the greatest player in Dolphins history, the greatest sports legend of the time as, as an athlete, Marino retiring. Uh, I don't know if you were there, Peter, or not. I don't remember. But um, I remember you're in the room with Marino and a lot of the great Dolphins players who had showed up. And Shula was there, and it's it's like a magnet. Like, you just feel his presence just pulling you toward him. And I remember just, you know, listening to him talk about Marino and and, and asking him a couple questions and just being around that. And and the same thing, you know, at, at that point, I was still very young in my career. Uh, but the intimidation factor, and he had been retired at this point. You know, he was just, uh, you know, a, a figurehead at that point for what this the Dolphins like, This is like uh, 99 or I guess 2000 probably, right? This was uh, after the 99 season, after 62-7, to 7, um, when the Jaguars beat the Dolphins, Marino's last game, Jimmy Johnson's last game. And, you know, he retired soon thereafter. Um, Marino did. And, uh, you know, just being around Shula, I remember uh, I was at the, the Boca Raton News at the time. A small daily newspaper in South Florida. And uh, one of my colleagues, and he was like, you know, he knew I was a Dolphins fan. And I was kind of, you know, in that transition phase of I'm, I'm, I'm covering the team. Got to stop rooting for them. You know, and now I don't root for them at all. Uh, but at that time, you know, when you go through that transition as, as a young guy, um, you know, he was like, man, you were just in the same room with Dan Marino and, and Don Shula. The 10-year-old you has got to be just bursting through the seams right now. And that's what it was. You know, I mean, you're around somebody like that. Uh, but also just the reverence of being in, in, in the room with just, the the at the time legend and coaching yeah i mean i would say too that like you know i don't have any south florida connections um and you know shula retired when i was 14 so like i i mean I, certainly i you know watched him as a kid and you know that he had that presence on the sideline uh but i, I wasn't around for the you know the you know i wasn't i wasn't in south florida or covering him for the peak part of it but even now like when you would you know you would see him at these events like the south florida you know you would see him at nfl events and he still had that aura about him pete he always just you know there there was just this this gravitas and respect that everyone in the nfl had towards shula no question and, and you know what the greatness of shula there's a couple things that show you the greatness of shula one is and jamie mentioned it he was the loser in the biggest upset in playoff history yeah. the loser that team was, you know, people considered that team unbeatable, and he lost. And yet he was able to go to Miami and take a franchise that was a joke as an expansion team 
and he built it into a powerhouse. That tells you how resilient he is as a coach, A. You know, a lot of guys wouldn't be able to recover from that. But the best thing about him is Bob Greasy threw 11 passes in that Super Bowl to cap off the perfect <laughs> season. And then he had Dan Marino, and he changed completely what he did as a coach. And I think that's the legacy of Don Shula, I think, more than anything that gets handed down now to all these generations is I don't have to fit my guys to my style. I'm going to fit what I do to what they do. Because in the past, before that, guys would like try and make, okay, we're going to run the ball, even though my quarterback can sling it 65 yards uh, from his ear hole. And Don Shula evolved from that with Dan Marino. And I think that's one of the great legacies of Don Marino that Dan, I mean, Don Shula that people don't understand is how he changed the way coaches coach. It became okay to change what you do and play to your strengths of your players. And I think we're seeing that more and more now in the NFL. I was thinking, I was, I'm sorry, I was thinking about Belichick as you're saying that, you know, yeah. you think about the, the first Super Bowls and they were defense and run dominated. And then 2007 comes along and Brady gets his weapons and they become this flourishing passing offense. And he adjusted to that and let Brady do his thing. And then they kind of, you know, sort of morphed into a, a mixture of that toward the end of the Brady tenure there in, in New England. And, and you're right. Don Stuhl is a big reason why he was, he was certainly an adaptable coach to the talent that he had and he made those guys work. Uh, so uh, obviously the, the one big stat on Shula too is that he's the all-time uh, winningest coach in NFL history, 347 wins, regular seasons, and playoffs. Uh, his career record in the regular season is just ridiculous. Uh, it is 328, 156, and 6. That is a 67.7 win percentage. He had two, so, uh, two, two losing, losing seasons. seasons, yeah. From 1963 to 1995, uh, those came in 1976 when he went six and eight, uh, and then 1988 when he went six and ten. And you know, each one of those times of those losing seasons, he bounced back with a you know like a really strong performance, ten and four in, in seventy seven, um, and then you know uh, eight and eight, and then twelve and four in eighty nine and ninety. I mean, this, it it that like to do that over that stretch of time spanning multiple. Uh, generation, like multiple football generations is, is pretty, pretty difficult on a, on a scale of, uh, NFL legend, you know, NFL, you know, NFL performance. And he kind of created a little, um, cradle of NFL people at John Carroll University in Ohio. When you think about all the guys who went there that are now in the league, Tom Telesco, Greg Roman, Dave Caldwell, Josh McDaniels, um, didn't you know, John Harbaugh uh, go there? No, but that they all have ties to that school, and I'm sure Could have been Pete he Prisco. had a lot to do with it. Could have been Pete Prisco. Pete Prisco almost went to John Garrell. Did you really? But yeah, but it's it, school was expensive. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, poor Pete Prisco couldn't go to John Garrell, but. Um, it, it's just amazing that the legacy and things that have handed it down. And, and it, look, let's be honest about it. The guy also suffered some of the most excruciating losses in, in NFL history, right? Uh, yeah. You think, you think back to that Super Bowl against the Jets. What about the, the Chargers? Yep. When he won, you right? Remember that game? Yep. Well, we were sort of talking about this. I mean, and we're, you know, we're talking about the guy's legacy. I mean, he's one of the all-time greats. It's like Belichick. Like if Belichick goes three and thirteen in two thousand twenty, it's not going to diminish anything that he did in his career. But like, you know, if Shula, I mean, it, it is just you know, you do you do think about like the what ifs, right? Like they that perfect season, they only won the Super Bowl fourteen to seven. It's not like they blew out the Redskins, right? I mean, yeah, but the the last 
the, the, the touchdown was a fluke that was picked up off the goal. It's one Remember of the but that was also the NFL back then too, though. It wasn't right, like you know you're right. you're expecting big, big numbers. My, my, point, my point is more that like you know he had that tough loss in the you know to to Joe Namath, and then you know had some brutal losses in the playoffs later on in his career. He was always great. I think I, I guess it's not it's not like questioning anything about Shula. It's more that pointing out that like winning in the NFL is really really hard. I mean this is the yeah. all time winningest coach who. Only had two losing seasons, and he only played in. I mean, like he played in what? Uh, I mean, I guess do you count the? I, mean, I guess you count the. You know, what seven? Was it one, two, three, four, five, six Super Bowls? I mean, that's a that's a lot. Six Super Bowls is a ton, and he quote unquote only won two. It's just a reminder. So, I had so hard to win those. Here, here's here's a good question that I think a lot of NFL fans you have this with different teams and, and franchises. Would you rather have the the Eli Manning Giants, where they missed the playoffs more times than not, but won the two Super Bowls, or a team like the Dolphins? And this is what I grew up with: is you knew they were going to be in the playoffs almost every year. This is the Marino Dolphins, almost every year, and it would be okay. Is this the year that they get over the hump? So for me, as a, as a kid growing up, those Bills teams. So what were you were you born in? What were you born? Seventy. I was born in seventy six. So. I grew up watching Dan Marino play football. That was my yep. incarnation to the NFL. My, we had this conversation on the Fantasy Football Today podcast, shameless plug, um, where uh, what was our first like real memory of, of the NFL? And I was telling the guys, for me, uh, the first primetime game I ever watched was Dolphins-Bears Monday night when the Dolphins beat the Bears. And one of the most heartbreaking games I ever watched was the loss to the Patriots that year in the AFC Championship game because at that point, like I was, I was 10 – uh, nine, I'm sorry, I was nine. Uh, I understood enough, like, I want to see the rematch. I wanted that great defense against, you know, the, at the time, you know, you could say the greatest quarterback, you know, him in Montana. Um, and so, you know, I was robbed of that. I think we were all robbed of that for anybody watching football at that time. Pete could probably explain it better than I can, uh, because the Patriots got just completely demolished by the Bears in the Super Bowl. But, um, you know, they, they ran into those, those Bills franchises, that Bills franchise that went to the Super Bowl four years in a row. You know, Thurman Thomas ripped my heart out more times than I can remember. Um, you know, as, as a Dolphins fan and Jim Kelly and Andre Reed. And so, uh, it's not just they had some, some tough playoff losses. They had just some bad luck. You know, he ran into Montana and, and, and the 49ers in, in the first Super Bowl. And then, you know, to see how he, uh, you know, still had faith in Marino coming back from a, a blown Achilles. You think about an Achilles injury now and how bad it is. Now go back to the early nineties and you have a quarterback who man, many people thought, okay, maybe he's done and he still, had faith in, in, in Marino. You know, at, at, in today's NFL, that guy is Drew Brees getting cast off by the Chargers and having to go find his way someplace else. It just it wouldn't have happened today. And, and Shula stuck by him and, and you saw the results. Yeah. You know, I actually think, by the way, I actually think the 73 team might have been better than the perfect team. And, and you know, there, you can make a strong, you go look at those playoff scores. They barely beat the Steelers. Remember, they played the Steelers on the road, even though they were undefeated in the championship game. I mean, that no, was the way well, statistically, I mean, if you want to go by the, you know, the, the, the rating systems that pro football reference uses and, 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 you know, I mean, like by the record, they weren't better, but statistically they were a better, more dominant. They were a better team. And look at their playoff number, the playoff scores in the, in 73 compared to 72. Uh, they dominated the playoffs that year and, and, and right through. So that, I think that team was better. Uh, you know, the, the team you mentioned, Jamie, in 85, you're right. They had no business losing at home to the Patriots. That's one of the one of one of the big choke ones right there. They said they were the better team. They should have played uh, the Bears again. 
the one the team that lost to the Reds uh, to, to the Redskins no to the 49ers that team wasn't ready that team Marino had I, just they were great but they weren't there yet and it, it, you know it's too bad that Marino never got to go back because that team wasn't quite ready yet the better team won and the one that lost to the Redskins you know Don McNeil tackles John Riggins and they might not lose that game uh, but he burst off on remember it was fourth down and they went for it, and he ran over Don McNeil for the big touchdown. So I mean, the 80, 84 Dolphins, like I, we don't, we really don't talk about it enough because Marino never won a Super Bowl. But like he threw for 5,084 passing yards and 48 touchdowns in 1984. I mean, this is the height of just like smash mouth football, and Marino is, is doing what Patrick Mahomes did in his MVP legendary season. Well, he threw well, for 435 in the championship game. Right? Well, we. We, we talked to Marino. He was on, uh, um, it was, you know, just weird programming while Marino was on, and I say this, obviously I was thrilled, but he was on fantasy football today, uh, on Radio Row. You can um, listen to your podcast all you want on. No, 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 no. I'm saying on, on HQ. Like it was, it was, you know, just the timing of when you got Radio Row. Oh, uh, right, right. You know, Pete, Pete, you know, we were joking about this. Pete should have been on with him, um, you know, and, and, and would have been, um, you know, probably a little bit more fun, but, uh, uh, you know, Marino at the time had just done an interview saying if he played in today's NFL, he could throw for 6,000 yards. And then, he, you know, he has the kicker. He goes, the best thing about it is I can say that I want him to prove it. But after what he did at that era and what he would have done now, you know, it would have been fun. One thing I wanted to bring up was uh, about Shula. Um, I don't think he was the first. Pete could probably uh, talk about this more. You know, I, I've obviously read a lot about the Dolphins. But he, he gets credit for being one of the first coaches to take a track guy and make him into – you know, a legit wide receiver and Mark Duper. You know, a lot, of, a lot of teams hadn't done it at that point, and Duper didn't really have a, uh, an, extensive, an extensive background, and he saw something in him. And you know, the the Marx brothers are never going to be put up with uh, the, the the top receiving cores of, of the NFL, and, and understandably so. But Mark Lane and Mark Duper put up a lot of numbers for Marino, and Shula recognized what those two guys can do as different different players, different skill sets. But you know, he took he took Duper and gave him a chance to make himself into an NFL player, and he did. Yeah, Bob Hayes did that way before that as a track guy. Remember back in the day, and and but there were a lot of failed experiments with the track guys. John Carlos was you know one of one of the Olympians from Mexico City. They tried to, the Eagles tried to make him a track in the receivers. So yeah, you got to give credit for that. And and like I always used to say, Mark Duper might have been the greatest fat receiver in the history of the game. I mean, and and that's a lot of that has to do with the fact that they threw it so much. I mean, they, that was so, look, Coriel did it. Don Coriel did it with Air Coriel. But when Dan Marino started doing it, it was so anything that you would expect from Shula. And, and again, that's the greatness of the guy is that he changed with the times. Well, in fact, got, he was ahead of the times. Well, you got, you got to realize, uh, for Pete at the time, he was a, a young man watching Dan Marino and Don Shula allowing it to happen, this is his view on football. This is why he hates running backs. <laughs> he, had, he watched this guy and it ruined him. <laughs> I was never, by the way, I was never, ever a Dolphin fan. Growing up in South Florida in my teenage years, I was always a Giants fan. But I came to love watching Dan Marino. Now, yeah. some of that has to do because he's Paisan, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> but I love Marino. I mean, Marino's... I, I, don't want to speak for you, Pete, but I mean, like, maybe he's your favorite player of all time. But like, isn't he your favorite quarterback of all time? He, to me, he's the greatest passer I've ever seen, and I will argue that with anybody. You could talk about Peyton, you could talk about whoever, uh, Montana. Dan Marino is the greatest passer who ever played the game, ever. 
If and, he had a ring, if he had a ring, many people would agree with that. Yeah. Uh, born, born at the wrong time, Dan Marino was. And, you know, the other thing too, I look at those, you look at those eighties through nineties, you know, the, the run, like, I, you know, younger people won't fully understand that the NFL, like we have the Patriots now and they're the dynasty and they're loaded and all that. There were like, I mean, there were like seven or eight teams that were just constantly loaded. I mean, like the cat, you know, like even like, you, you know, the, the Dolphins dealt with the Bills all the time and all that heartbreak. But then you still, even if you overcame the Bills, you had to get to the Super Bowl and then you had to deal with a loaded Redskins team or a loaded 49ers team or a loaded Cowboys team, all kinds of, you know, I mean, there were just powerhouse teams stacked all over the NFL during that stretch. All right. Yeah, I mean, look, let's be real. Uh, Don Shula is a legend, and it's amazing when you think about this. And I used to say there are unbreakable records in the NFL. Yeah, like Ernie Nevers scoring 42 points is one that I don't think is going to be broke, or 44 points is going to be broken, whatever. No, 40 points because he had, he kicked four extra points and scored six touchdowns. That, that's probably not going to be broken. Probably not. I used to think Don Shula's wins record would not be broken. But now I'm not so sure old Billy Boy isn't going to break his wins record. I actually, and I think he wants to. Uh, I am sure that he wants to. And I think, too, so uh, Don Shula is at uh, 320. Do you, or do we do, are we doing most all-time, including playoffs, or just most regular season wins? What do you, what, what's the – regular season wins. Okay, all right. So Shula is at 328. Uh, Belichick is at 273. So he's 55 away. I mean, Belichick at 68. I think there's a pretty good chance that he, he won't. Man, it's gonna, it's gonna depend on that next quarterback. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. When he tanks for uh, Trevor Lawrence and then he coaches five more years. If, if he coaches five more years, let's just say that takes him to how long? 73. Yeah. He'd have to win 10, what, 11 games in those five years. That's hard to do. Yeah, but I mean, if he coaches eight more years, I mean, like Belichick is not your typical sixty-eight-year-old. Like, maybe no, but is he going to coach? Is he going to coach to be seventy-five? That would be that would be a lot. I'll tell you the sneaky the sneaky option here is Andy Reid. He has two hundred seven wins, but he's only sixty-one. He just no won his first Super Bowl, and he's no, got a whole no, no. next ten years. Okay, let's okay, let's say he wins twelve, an average of twelve, which he's not going to do, an average of twelve games for the next. Decade. He's, I mean, he's averaged 9.9 wins per okay, season. Let's just give him 12 then, which he's not going to do. Average okay. of 12 for the next decade. That's 120 wins. Where does that take him? That would be, uh, 327. Probably not happening. Not happening. The thing you got to look at is like, you know, and I don't think it's him in particular, but like a Sean McVay, somebody's just young that had early success, that can, you know, Maybe reinvent himself over time. The only problem, though, Jamie, is you get fired now. Oh, I agree. I, I like I said, I, I, I don't, don't think it's going to happen. It, but it, the it, only it, one who has a chance is Belichick. Do you? But and the question becomes: Do you think he coaches till he's seventy-five? If he coaches till he's seventy-five, he has a chance. If he doesn't, he has no chance. I, I think he will coach till he's seventy-five. But I think more importantly, it speaks to, I mean, just how ridiculously good a coach. Don Shula was that he stacked all these wins and again two losing. He also got started young. I mean that's a big part of this. Sure. Right. Uh, what, yeah. How old was Shula when he retired? When he was uh, Shula's first he his first head coach. He was thirty ninety five. 
33, and he retired at 65 with the Dolphins. I mean, that's so. So think about those wins. I mean, my gosh, yeah, that's incredible. And a lot of those seasons were 14 is 14 uh, game seasons. He averaged he averaged 9.9 wins per season, and you're right. Yeah, most of them were like some of them were even uh, what uh, 12, weren't they? No, he had 14 with the Colts in 63. Okay. He had more, I mean, through 77. 14. And then 78, he was 16 on. So. Right. Well, 50, yeah, I guess 15 in, in 87 with the strike. But, uh. Um, but yeah, so he didn't have the, the 16 games his entire career either to win. Exactly. Right. Well, and Belichick is going to get an extra game. Mmm. 17, that's right. Uh, all right. Don Shula, a coaching legend and a Miami monument. Uh, you know, died at the age of 90, an incredible, uh, coach and, and former player and a, a no doubt Hall of Famer. Hey, thank you guys for taking the time to remember a legend.